Do you do you regret that? Not at all. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. Not <laughs> at all. Well, look at you now. You're on a podcast. <laughs> look at this. I mean, you your <laughs> podcast. That's right. The Northwood <laughs> Church podcast. Yeah, yes. Tens of followers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I had to get some makeup because uh, the new <laughs> camera angle or the new lighting angle on Sundays. Um, Real shiny. Is very shiny. And uh, so, like, I'm like, 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 it's just all right here. It was like super red and, and then my nose and everything. So uh, I got some makeup. It's uh, from Mary Kay. Oh, and, well, uh, good stuff. Uh, it's like, it's, look, there's no color to it. It's just like powder, like a clear powder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it takes all the sheen. So that's I'll... the goal of it is just to, to yeah. not have a shine yeah. or a sheen. A sheen. A sheen. Yeah, it worked. It worked. It so better. you have used it. So here's Sunday. the real question. Mm-hmm. Do you apply it or does somebody else apply it? I do. Oh, man, that's next level when it, you got yeah, somebody else. Not, it's at my house. We're, so we're going to get an intern. Getting... <laughs> we'll get an intern in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, How yeah. are you serving today? I'm Pastor Jordan's makeup guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're a pretty big deal. We got to take care of the sheen. What's my serve team? <laughs> That's on the Pastor's application makeup. when you sign yeah. up for yeah. a team. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and, so here we are. We uh, we've got a, a special guest, the most special that we've had this week. <laughs> this week, <Yeah. laughs> I agree. I went ahead and showed up late just out of respect for him. Yeah. Him, you know. No, let's share the story. <laughs> Let, let's it? go there. So, yeah. Everybody watching, this is worth oh, listening man. to. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to get here at a certain time. Everybody's going to meet here. It's going to be good. And uh, so I get up. Everything's cool. Well, I get a, I get a uh, text and, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to start texting this, this situation out. Get on the phone, you know, kind of talking through it. I'm like, we're fine. I've still got time. It's all good. And um, <clears throat> meanwhile, uh, I was about to jump in the shower, and, and uh, we might have to edit this out. I don't know. We'll see. But I had to I, I, I guzzle some coffee, just guzzle it. I was like, I'm going to go on. I was about to get in the shower, and all of a sudden my stomach was like, mm, no, we're not getting in the shower yet. <laughs> don't get in yet. <laughs> anyway, so that put me behind. And, uh, and then I, 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 you know, I get ready, get my, get my you know, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm just like kind of hectic, kind of hectic. And, and, yeah. and, and then I open my garage door to get in my truck, and I, I open the garage door, and I, and then I look in my garage, and my truck's not there. The reason my truck is not there is because I dropped it off the previous day at the shop. Ah, oh, the details. The details. You need to be able to get where you're going in a vehicle. And so I had to call, and uh, Micah came and picked me up. And uh, so I was significantly late. And yeah. so, um, so that's yeah. how the podcast began. So we're all good morning. Ultra good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you're here. Yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> welcome. This is this is how we do every interview. We yeah. we act like a fool to see if. <laughs> If you're well, you really gotta, interested, you got to kind of like, you know, you got to kind of loosen up. You got to get yeah. loose. You know, you got to get used to it here. So. I do want to loosen up a little bit by some of these, some news. Um, so it, I kind of follow like those news of the weird type things mm-hmm. on social media and stuff. And, and one of them is reporting and, and I snopes it and it doesn't have a yes or a no yet because it's so, so recent. They said as of the, the India la- uh, moon landing um, since then, that humans have left, and this is the number, 20 tons of trash on the moon. Can somebody help me understand hmm. that? Wait. How many people have gone to the moon, and how much trash did they bring with them? Does crashed rockets go into point. the volume of trash? That wasn't in the, <laughs> that wasn't in the article. Yeah. But I'm thinking... Yeah, it's only is this really what like humanity that. is doing? We're already like littering on the moon. <laughs> we just left a spacecraft. That's what it was. <laughs> it's just, just left one part of it. Yeah, yeah they're pretty that heavy. That would make more sense. Yeah, gotta be. You know what? You answered the question. I was thinking <laughs> it this wasn't is, that complicated. This is stupid. Just, I don't know if it's the right answer, but it sounds good. <laughs> We're gonna go with that. <laughs> yeah, I would say that I, I think that we should, you know, uh, somehow create <laughs> create a, a thing. That could just shoot our trash into space, and yeah. like, in such a way that it would just go outside the orbit, yeah. and it would just keep going. We just <coughs> send trash just Away. way out there. Instead of come on, Elon, get on that. Yeah, instead but, of but then you wouldn't be able to see the full moon because you'd be have these blobs of trash. Well, no, I say is it had to get past the orbit to out, outside the gravitational pull of the Earth, so it, it would need a rocket. To yeah, like, got to get it out going. there. I mean, is. Is there a danger? Lot, I mean, There's a lot of that's solar a lot of, system uh, out there we can throw trash. That's a lot of that's a that's lot of money just to try to get. To, yeah. yeah. How but about it, we just burn all the trash? <laughs> can you do that? 
I mean, <laughs> and is that your field of expertise? my field of expertise, <laughs> oh, <okay>. sorry. <laughs> Dude, I did see, speaking of trash, you know, the whole Save the Turtles movement with plastic straws or mm-hmm. uh, paper straws. Yeah. Apparently they are worse for the environment. That's than awesome. the plastic ones were. I That's forget amazing. exactly why. Really? They're like, there's actually more pollution going into oceans because of paper straws. That's amazing. But Isn't the, it? But the turtles in Pascagian, uh Yeah. Came alive. They hatched night night before last. I think it was yeah. so first time a active nest had baby turtles come out of it in quite some time. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't know that that happened down here. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Stick, really stick with me for the news of the day. <laughs> Other than whatever he's yeah. reading, <laughs> <That's terrible. laughs> I'm like, I got turtles. I got turtles. You got turtles. Got I got trash, trash on the moon. The moon. <laughs> I like turtles. <laughs> we, huh, dude? I love. I love whenever. Of uh, things that were supposed to help the environment um, are <laughs> end, up, end up worse. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's, stop trying. Just accept it. And you know, I don't know. Like yeah. it when humanity fails. <laughs> <laughs> I told you this was a dumb idea. <laughs> Give me my plastic straw back. Dude, r- this past week, we were talking about uh, the Earth's population. And obviously, we're like close to 8 billion now, I think it is. We're around 8 so. billion. Definitely over 7.5. And uh, we were talking about how many people were on the face of the planet. Like, I think it was around, uh, around like, I don't know, 100 AD or something like that. And it was like uh, 100 million, I think is what it was. So. Somewhere up in there, maybe, maybe 300 AD. It was like 100 million people. And uh, it wasn't until the 17, 1800s, 1800s. where like, like the, the population really began to explode. Mm-hmm. And, um, but before, and correct me, I think you might remember, before the 1800s, 70% of children died before puberty? I, I don't know if it's 1800s, but yes. It, it, I don't know the time for frame. For sure, but yeah. back in the 300 AD. Absolutely. Uh, or three, yeah, it but, was 70% of children died before before puberty because of all of the, yeah. I mean, diseases and everything, you know, childbirth problems and all kind of stuff. Hmm. It Astounding. was absurd. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, well, that was, we were in a conversation where it was actually talking about Christianity as well. And it was yeah. like talking about um, the percentage of people that were Christians based on humanity population. And it was talking about like the early church. And it was amazing. We, we were sitting talking with a, uh, a sociology professor. Yeah. Is that what mm-hmm. he is? And uh, we were, he was talking to us and he's like, really, it's amazing that Christianity even took off. Because, I mean, it starts with obviously one man and a small group of people, but it goes from like this group of 12 to a group of a hundred in like a hundred years, something like that. But it reaches a spot, I think by 300 AD that it was 33% of the world's population was Christian. It was just this rapid expansion of the good news, but it's also, it was like, there's this small percentage of people that were even on the earth. Like it's funny when you talk about like people making a difference in their life or making a big difference in the world, like, and you'd never actually see the ripple effect to watch. I mean, this is, we're talking about Christianity at this point, but to watch the ripple effect of Jesus and in the world and how fast and how effective yeah. it expounded, it was, was astonishing. But yeah, I was more just talking about the fact that a bunch of kids died before they were in puberty. <laughs> yeah, you had to make it went super deep. No, no, <laughs> my like, brain, I think my I've brain got was some thinking things about... to say about Christianity real quick. No, uh, it was that same third. conversation. It was that same conversation. Like, the good news was spread to all the world. <laughs> I felt that oh, coming. 70% of kids died. <laughs> yeah, the good news of the gospel it was prevails. All... <laughs> okay, Pastor Mike, you're right. down a notch, bro. <laughs> We're not even in the second half <laughs> of the podcast Lord. yet. Come on. It was cool. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it is easy to make a big difference when there's nobody around. <laughs> there, there's the summary. Forget That's all of it. <laughs> That's the clip. <laughs> you can make a big difference when nobody really cares. There's <laughs> not that many people around. But we do have Victor Fetter, yeah. and uh, really excited that you're here. Uh, we'll kind of get into your story a little bit and, and just learn more about you. Uh, well, how, how long have you been a part of the church or a part of this crew, this this chaos, this beautiful thing called us. <laughs> oh, well, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for having me. You asked um, how long have we been involved with uh, Northwood? Um, and I'd say it depends. Um, if you go back in time, we've had relatives here on the coast for many, many decades. And um, when you opened the campus in Long Beach, 
yeah. is when we started coming during our visits down to the coast. And then we moved here uh, full time uh, a little over a year and a half ago or so. And so that's when we've gone deep and have been regular attenders at the Long Beach campus. So you moved here, was it from Austin? Is that correct? Or we, you've moved a lot? We have moved a lot. I'm sure you'll you'll pick on my story of uh, the number of locations we've lived around the world. But yes, we moved most recently from Austin. That's, mm, now that's fancy Austin. when you say around the world. Absolutely. Around the world, yes. We have lived around the world. Literally? Oh, man. Okay, we, just, just to start, we'll get into it later. What's your favorite place you've lived? <laughs> you know, I'd say um, it, it's interesting. There's not a favorite and, and, the, and the reason the reason I share that, my, my family would disagree, by the way. Um, uh, but the reason I share it is everyone, every place you go is unique, right? You know, so um, we lived in London, England. And, you know, being able to have date night and you, you drive and you see Big Ben, right? Or you're in your conference room and you see the Tower of London. I mean, that's a surreal experience. Man. You know, if you, yeah. you think about Austin, you know, the vibe of music and barbecue. And it just mm. has a has a special place to it. you think about you know charlotte north carolina right you get the mountains you get the mm. ocean just, so every yeah. place we've lived has something um special and unique about it that we would say ohio like love the summers in ohio it's not as hot as here yeah, yeah. Um, gorgeous absolutely gorgeous and so um i think it's tough to say what's the favorite so for here obviously the draw is the beaches right in the coastline I don't like the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the water. Obviously, yeah. the crystal blue water. Yeah. I, I, right? uh, thank you, but I don't care for the sand. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but here, it's family. I, I grew up yeah. um, just you know south of New Orleans in Chalmette. Yes, I'm a Shamation, so you can really. So I've I've known a few people from Chalmette, and a lot of them sound like they're from Jersey, like almost like Jersey area. Like they're, they're su- such a thick accent; it's yeah. almost like a Jersey accent. How was your trip to India? What was that like? You know, I just got um, just got back from India, um, I guess last Friday, and uh, it was good. I've been to India for the last twenty years. I calculated um, have been going there. Beautiful people, just fantastic. Um, it was a good trip. I wish I loved Indian food more, though. I don't. Mm, I'm not a big bad. fan of of Indian food. Uh, I'll eat, eat it when you go there. Sorry, what do you eat when you go there? Oh, I'll eat the Indian food. I'm just not a super big fan of it. Okay. Uh, but we pretty much stay in Western hotels, and so there's lots of other options available to us. But it was a good. It was a good trip. Thank you. Good. So I'm in your group, and we were talking a little bit uh, about a potential hot take you had on the flight over. Hmm. Yeah, so um, the first time in a long time I've had this happen. I've never had it happen, actually. I flew out of New Orleans uh, going to to India. And uh, last flight out of New Orleans, I was flying from New Orleans to London. And um, they pulled back the jet bridge. They shut the doors. And we sit there. And we sit there. And the pilot comes on and says, this is probably one of the most embarrassing announcements I've ever had to make in my career. He said, we have a cargo door open. Um, but as you know, we're the last flight out. And the ground crew has left for the day. Uh, so we're trying to track the ground crew down so that they can come and close the cargo door so we could push back and take off for London, um, which meant I missed all my connecting flights and oh, just an adventure. But that happens. It's a good happens. time. I mean, who leaves? The, so a ground crew guy is like loading stuff mm. up and all of a sudden he's like, all right, Five done o'clock. for the day. <laughs> There's a door open. right there. Yeah. Exactly. Do you ever run into annoying passengers? Funny you should say that. So um, oh. I was flying back from India. and my, How long ago uh, was this one? Th- th- this, this last trip. So last, oh. last week. <laughs> Good. And uh, I was flying from Houston to Gulfport. And um, the gentleman next to me, we had the same conversation twice. And he spilled oh, no. his glass of champagne on me. And we haven't even left the ground. So, oh, so oh it was. Oh, uh, so that was one of those moments. Thank goodness it was just Houston and Gulfport. Yeah, exactly. It was a oh, short my. flight. You're absolutely, uh, it was a miserable flight for him because obviously he was not in the best of shape. No, yeah. obviously, but <laughs> he doesn't uh, remember a thing. He put the old headphones in, and yeah, life was good. That was going to be my question: Is yeah. when you fly, is it just headphones? Close your eyes and don't talk to people, or are you one of the guys that? like actively engages in conversation. I talk to people. I wouldn't say it's my goal in life to entertain somebody for a couple hour flight. Um, yeah. But, but I certainly will say hi and, uh, and visit short for a short period of time. But uh, most of the time <laughs> I'll um, put the headphones in and uh, read a book, watch a TV show, something like that. I had a mental picture when you said that, Uh-oh. <laughs> like, you know, you sit down and you're like, hello, how are you? You know, yeah. um, nice to, nice to meet you. Where are you headed? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, they, and they're like, 
and, and then they kind of they take that breath and they start the next phase of the conversation and you're like, all right. No, the <laughs> alarm goes off on his phone. He's like, done. Gotta go. Like, done with this. He's like, I got noise canceling. About 30 seconds in me and then I'm done. You know? But you meet so many interesting people. On yeah, it's true. So the first time I, I flew, I um, I was like super conversational guy because I, I was like – I. I'm very interested where people come from. I like to hear people's stories, and, yeah. and or I used to. And, um, <laughs> I'm just cynical, Jade. I don't care about you. So the whole flight, the, the first one, I talk, 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 and then like I think the next flight I did, and I got back from that trip, and uh, and then the next time that I flew was like five years later, and I was like, no, there's no reason for me <laughs> to get to know you. Phones, and I was like, no, and now I understand. Like I just have the AirPod Pros. I just put them in. And uh, I'm talking. I just, I just don't, I just don't want to. You know, usually it's also because I'm tired from the yeah. trip or whatever's going on. But you know, it's funny you say that. I um, I was on the plane once, and I knew the person next to me. Like, I just had a feeling I knew them. I recognized them from someplace, but I couldn't place it. Um, and he wanted to talk the whole time. Hmm. And um, I got off the plane, and I was telling my wife Heather about this experience, and I was describing him, and she's like. Honey, that was James Carville, the political pundit. Oh no! He's like, oh, she's my. like, you missed an hour and a half to pick his brain That's and to talk funny. to him. Oh my! I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm James. All right, Jimmy. Shut up, James. <laughs> a, fellow, a, 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 a fellow New Orleans guy. Yeah. Raging Cajun. I missed, I missed the opportunity. My favorite movie, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> exactly. It's Anchorman. James. Have you ever considered, since you travel so much, just having like a little business card that like they can scan a QR code and watch like a little bio of you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the conversation, so you don't have to have it. Jumpstart the conversation. Yeah. Hey, I'm better. This is my family. This is what I've done with my life. And uh, please don't talk. I don't like talking on planes. (laughs) Sorry, I don't have a car with a QR code on it. (laughs) Please don't spill your champagne on me. (laughs) Wow. That's fun. Yeah. We want to learn a little bit about Victor Fetter. Before the career, just you talked about Chalmette. You talked about uh, from here, kind of from here. Like, give us a little bit of your early childhood, uh, family. Like, just kind of roll through that. We'll just see where conversation goes. Sure. Well, um, as I mentioned, I, I grew up just south of New Orleans in in Chalmette and uh, uh, strong family connections uh, down there. And uh, um, I was the only one uh, in my family who went to uh, college. And I, and I think that was um, instilled by my parents, a strong worth ec- earth work ethic, uh, strong commitment uh, to the family and, and a little sense of adventure. Like you can go out and do whatever it is that you want to go do. You have to make it make it happen. Um, so after college, I kind of knew that I wanted to leave the area. It was a breakout moment. I mean, many of our family was was in the area. They stayed in the area. Um, broadly blue collar, uh, worked hard, incredibly hard. Um, but I knew I wanted to go do something different. So um, went to school at uh, Spring Hill College in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, that's where I met uh, Heather. And um, from there, I mean, life just just took off. Yeah. So you met Heather, your wife, in yes. college. Correct. College sweethearts. That is correct. She flirted with me first. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I figured you were going there <laughs> since you know a little bit about us. <laughs> so did you play hard to get? No. I was. I, I, I the felt... first one in a long time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm interested as well. <laughs> no, I, I fell uh, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. <laughs> so and... you dated in college, and I mean, you're married now, but when did you get married? Uh, 92. How old were you? <laughs> that was so Come not confident. On. I got married Come at 92. On. I don't know. <laughs> How old are you, Victor? <laughs> Too old. <Wow>. Too old. <laughs> but yeah, so we um we met we met in college. Um I, I finished in um three and a half years and then went off and pursued uh, my career. She stayed on an extra year because I mean she was a year younger than me in college. And then um we got married in uh, Richmond, Virginia. That was the first of many locations that uh we went to, and then uh, since then had uh, four great kids. No, I'm curious. Was there a moment where it was a long distance relationship? There was. So that year that I had left um, and I had joined uh, a large company, I was doing a training program in uh, Philadelphia and then in Dallas. And so there was a year that uh, Heather and I were apart. Um, the, the funny part of the story is, um, yes, she'll kill me for saying this, but she broke up with me every summer. 
Ooh. Oh, it was a, See, this is why you're on the podcast. Yeah, every summer, this <laughs> every summer, and um, it became a, a little bit of a joke, but it was also painful. But I would um, say so. Every, why I, did she break up? I, with I knew you? it was coming every May. Um, <gasps> How many Mays are we talking about here? Three Mays. Oh, three Mays. Um, but you, you can't. <laughs> this is breaking news. I haven't tough. heard this. <laughs> Heather had some some you, things you, to you, do. You, you can't argue with the logic, and and she said. Um, it was an opportunity for her to make sure that I was the guy that God wanted her to marry. Oh, so and, she was testing and, you. And wow. I, I won't say testing me as much as making sure she felt that testing same her. conviction. Um, and that testing God, <laughs> maybe it was testing God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So um, each May she hits you with the same speech, the same speech. Dude, I like mm. it. Yeah. You May. never switched it up and hit her with it. Uh, no, I, uh, I'm, I not, absolutely I'm not, I'm have. not that quick. You, yeah. <laughs> April, I'll do April, April for sure. Hey, I got a little April. Just absolutely. something the Lord's been putting on my heart hey, real quick. <laughs> His phone rings May 30th yeah. it's, and he, it's hard, but he picks it up. He's we, like, Hey, before you say anything, I got something to say done. to you. You know, we, we jumped into a relationship, the, second week of her college experience yeah and and oh. she felt that there was an opportunity just to you know date others and to get to know who else was out there and to kind of refine who it was that oh. that you know she was looking yeah. for so so i mean you were you're talking about you know it was it was a conviction of some sort on heather's part were you yes. were you people of faith at that point were you we were. followers of christ okay yeah how like was that part of your relationship that you guys were Christians, like was that an active part of your relationship in dating? Oh yeah, so we we um we were both Christians from um, very young. I mean, you know, you, when people say, "Well, what is your your salvation story?" I would say, "I don't have one. I have a journey." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the the Catholic Church. Um, I taught CCD in high school. Um, I thought I was going to be a Brothers of the what Sacred is Heart. Is that where it's like the catechisms and those yeah. types of things? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just like Northwood kids but it's yeah it's the Sunday school version for the catholic church nice. um during high school i thought i was going to become uh, the religious order i thought wow. i was going to become a brothers of the sacred heart and i thought i was going to do that uh for a while um but discovered that god had other plans for me what did that moment look like for you god had different plans was there a, a moment because i know a lot of people are always thinking like hey, god lead me speak to me what do i do with my life um you know looking back it seems like you made the right decision yeah um what did that moment look like? You know, I think um, for that particular case, um, you know, me deciding I didn't want to become a brother's sacred heart. Um, it was just that clarification that um, you don't have to become a member of the religious order to live out your faith. Hmm. Um, the brother's sacred heart focus on uh, education. Um, you don't have to be committed to helping the next generation grow in Christ by becoming a brother of the sacred heart. And mm-hmm. so I think there was a realization um, toward the end of my high school years that said, okay, you know, hang on, I want to be married. I want to have a family, but I can still do these things that I enjoy in, mm-hmm. in expanding um, the kingdom. How did you go from Catholic to Protestant? What, what... You know, um, that occurred predominantly when we were um, in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to England as uh, Catholics. Um, there were not many Catholic churches living um existing outside of in England. And so uh, we went to the, the Seoul Catholic Church. Um, and then through a, a period or a season of, gosh, we felt like the, the church didn't know us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt like it was fairly um, routine. Um, and for us and, and, and our family, uh, Heather actually led the charge of, of saying, hey, maybe there's something else more out mm-hmm. there. Um, there's a particular experience. Um, we have, we have four children, as I mentioned, um, very, very good children. Um, and you, we were showing up at the Catholic church, sitting on the front row and, and really participating. Um, there was, there was a week at church where another family sat on the front row and, um, their kids, four kids proceeded to climb on the altar. And, um, the priest approached us and said, you got to get your kids under control. And, oh. and that was uh, maybe the straw that broke the camel's back because what we realized is the priest didn't know us. Yeah. We, were, we were teaching in Sunday school. Oh, wow. Our daughter was going through the process of communion as a sacrament. We sat on the front row every Sunday, and, you know, he's calling us out for something that really wasn't, it wasn't us. <laughs> yeah. wow. and, and that's when we realized it really wasn't a relationship 
to the church. Yeah. Uh, it was, I hate to say transactional, but it kind of felt that way. And so um, Heather led the charge and we found a non-denominational um, church in England that was predominantly wow. an American community. And um, we fell right in and, and loved it. And um, ever since then, we, we started this journey of um, being non-denominational uh, wow. through, through that, that period. Seems like a big jump. It, it is a big jump, but, but once we were there, it felt, um, it felt right. It, it, felt very, um, it felt very comfortable. It felt deeper. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. felt, it felt more uh, relational. Yeah. Um, I, I, was, I was telling Joel a story earlier. Uh, coming back from England to the U.S., this was a career move. Um, we had to find a new church. And um, we had a thing when we were looking for new churches, uh, we'd go to the same church um, three times because you never know what the message is going to be visiting pastors, sure. you know, day off days, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before everything was available on the internet. So yeah, right. uh, some, some time ago, <laughs> you know, we went to visit three churches, three different weekends in a row. And uh, the first church, the message was on giving and tithing. Hmm. You're like, Oh, <laughs> Gosh, it's this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, second, the second church we went to, the message was on giving. Giving and wow, tithing. Oh, no. <laughs> the third church we went to, you want to take a guess what the message was no, on? No, wow. Are you serious? It was on giving and tithing. <laughs> but I realized, I realized that that was actually God talking to me. You weren't giving or tithing. Were I you? was not giving. <laughs> Absolutely. That is correct. Wow. That is correct. So and, at what point? Did you realize, okay, this is God talking to me? So, like, was it ever like, oh, um, this is stupid? It, it was Heather going, do you realize he's talking to you? Wow. <laughs> Heather is like the Holy Spirit for you. Yes. That's what it seems like. <laughs> um, very much. But, but my point is, um, I think all of our stories and our faith journeys, they grow con- constantly. Mm-hmm. We have to be on the lookout for those, those different experiences. And that was a step yeah. for us that said, Okay, it, it's it's time to go deeper. Yeah. We were serving, we weren't giving. Now it's time to give, and it's just that journey that we were on. Wow. On the career side, I think it'd be good to talk a little bit about what do you do? How in the world did you end up moving all over? And then, in the midst of career decisions, career moves, uh, you're still an active Christian. It seems like these two worlds are merging or attempting to coexist. And in a lot of ways, in today's world, it feels like one's going to push the other out. How did you navigate? Did you do it well? Like, there's a lot of questions in there, but sure. what did that, what's that well, make you I'll think start of? and then I'll let you uh, cool. pick and choose yeah. your own adventure through this. Um, <laughs> I love those little books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pick this one. And- <laughs> okay, exactly. That's how my life is. <laughs> um, you know, I started out um, and certainly I went to college wanting to be a pediatrician. Okay. Um, uh, that lasted about three weeks of biology. <laughs> and um, you made it two weeks longer than I would have. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, okay, I need a plan B. And, um, yeah. and through plan B, what I discerned is, um, I love computers. I had a Commodore 64, which was probably launched before any of you guys were born. Um, but 64 K was the computer and I would program on the, the weekends and at nights and in, um, in high school. And so I decided to go into technology, um, as a career. And that's what I ultimately, uh, graduated in. And, um, early days I was an engineer. I, I created systems and uh, my focus was on insurance and banking and so that's where I was. And um, shortly after my career, short, shortly after that um, engineering period, um, I realized I really didn't like coding. Um, <laughs> and, and what I realized was computers do what you tell it to do. And there's no fun in that. Um, and what I discovered, uh, and it wasn't a process of discovery that I really enjoyed leading people. Uh, I, I enjoy creating strategies for large organizations. And I can do that in the context of uh, technology. So um, lo and behold, one of the first big programs I, I led was online banking. Now today you take that for granted, but uh, <laughs> way back when it was, it was, it was uh, the premier thing that most banks. Like it more, just wasn't in the world at that point. It was not in the world at that point. So you're part of the, the introductory to online banking. Correct. Correct. I worked for a bank, um, which actually was the grandfather of Capital One. So the, the first systems in Capital wow. One were the systems that I and my team engineered. Nice. Um, Holy smokes. Way, way, way back when. Um, and, and so I realized that that's where I really enjoyed was, was the art of leadership and helping people bring technology solutions to life for enterprise um, organizations. And, and it's through that that I have had so many rich experiences in, in leading large technology teams and using technology 
uh, to transform uh, organizations. And I think the, um, so that's how the journey to, to my career today, and that's what I, I do today. Um, I think the, the journey of faith was aside, alongside that, because we have to make big decisions along the way. Do you want to move to Chicago? Do you want to go to England? You know, when are you going to come back? Do yeah. you want to go work for Dell Computer? Do you want to go do dot, dot, dot? And all of those created, I think, moments for us to reflect on what does it mean for us as a couple? What does it mean for us with one child? What does it mean for us going to England with three and coming back with four? You know, what does it mean? Were wow. all those questions that um, they weren't always easy. They were hard decisions that we had to make. Um, and you can only do so by uh, having faith and, and understanding, I think, where God wants you at a point in time. I think early career, I was chasing the dollar. I was chasing the experience. I was chasing the title. Mid-career was really about, I think, that shift to what's best for the family and what does God want uh, from our family. Were there moments where that an opportunity would come up where, I mean, I'm assuming it was more money or something like that, and it's it's going to be a move for everybody. What did it actually look like when, okay, company XYZ has given an offer to Victor? Did you go to Heather? Did you go sit in a closet for three hours and pray? Like, what did actually, God, what do you want me to do yeah. with this? What did that moment or moments look like? I think every moment is different, but certainly Heather was always the first in the conversation. Because it was our career, you know, she worked inside the home um, and whatever I would do would, would impact her, right? She, she would be the trailing spouse, if you will, to wherever the, the next uh, period was. I, I think the best example I can give you, Micah, is um, we were making a decision on whether or not I should leave Dell Computer and take on a, a different job. And um, it was tough. That was probably the biggest career decision that that we had to make because uh, the family was settled in Austin, uh, four kids, they were involved in their church, they're middle and high schoolers. Like that was like probably the biggest decision. It was easy from a career perspective. Oh yeah, I want to go do X. But from the family perspective, that was the toughest. And I, I remember it was um, Thanksgiving week. Uh, don't ask me what year because I don't remember, but Thanksgiving, <laughs> Thanksgiving week. And um, we pulled out of the driveway and I told the kids, we have to pray. And I said, we have a decision to make. And by the time we pull back in the driveway, at the end of Thanksgiving week, uh, we'll make the decision as a family. And, and that was trusting of the family. That was just being vulnerable and putting it all out there. Um, but here's, what, here's why we felt comfortable doing it. The church at the time we were going to was doing a series called 6060. And the series was... Um, every 60 minutes, spend 60 seconds talking to God. And through the whole week, the whole family, you know, you set the alarms on the phones and everything. You would say, I'm going to spend a minute just talking and digesting what I'm supposed to be taking in from this particular moment, this particular experience. And, and, and that brought us together as a family. Now, for the kids and the younger ones, they were like, just give us the answer. Just give us the answer, right? Yeah. They, they just wanted the answer. Yeah. Um, and we went through periods. My, my oldest daughter, Ashley, at some point said, you know, you should take the job, but we're going to stay in Austin. Like, no, no, no. It's a family. We're not going to split the family. That was not what we wanted to do. Um, but, but my point is, is the career and the faith at some point intersects. And you can't have one without the other. So I'm assuming that moment that you're talking about is mid-career because a minute ago you were saying early on in my career and then mid-career because you you kind of led us to a spot that said early in my career I I was maybe more a little bit more about titles or money um what like what was the breaking point where you went from early to mid-career where it wasn't about that and it became a little bit more about that was there a moment or did you make a decision you regretted or what what had happened um, I don't know if there was a moment I think, um, you know, the opportunity to work at Dell Computer in this story is probably that time where I would say we segued a little bit from um, maybe a more of a, a mature career trajectory versus chasing the, the opportunity or, or the title. And I think, um, I think it was the richness of our faith that really brought that to light. Um, and I think that's where it really happened. Was, um, so you, you're talking about 
<laughs> the grandfather company of Capital One, and then you're talking about Dell. And there's a this couple of companies in, in between. Is this all in the 90s? It is, yeah. It is? So, uh, uh, late, early 2000s, too. Yeah. yeah. What is the—I'm curious. What is the Dell story? What, what did that—how <laughs> did you get that job, and then what did you do in, whenever you were there? Like, what were you a part of? So, um, we were living in Chicago, just back from England. We came back from England. We had to come back from England, tax reasons and other things. Came back from England. We're living in Chicago. Um, and I knew I had to leave the company where I was working at the time under investigation. They had lots of challenges. It was just time. Huh. And, um, Dell kept calling and, uh, and I would say, no, I don't want to go work for Dell computer. And, uh, I was pretty convicted about it. Um, because I, I just heard stories about, you know, almost like, um, uh, the cobbler's children, right. You know, the technology of Dell was maybe not the strongest. Um, and then I got a phone call and said, um, Michael wants to talk to you. Michael, as in Michael Dell? As in Michael Dell. Oh, okay. And, um, and, and I'm sorry, um, you don't pass up that opportunity. Yeah. Hello, Michael. So I had the opportunity to go and and visit with the team, um, at Dell. And, and I remember I was on the plane, uh, flying back from Austin and I'm talking to Heather about processing the day. And, um, and I remember her saying, she says, um, you don't need to see it, say anymore. I hear in your voice, we're moving to Austin, aren't we? <laughs> wow. And, um, and, and that was, and that was our journey of, of moving to Austin. I did a couple of different uh, roles at Dell, but probably um, uh, the claim to fame at the time. And most of my time at Dell was running Dell.com. Um, and, and at the time that was almost bigger than Amazon uh, at the time uh, for, for that point in time. Yeah. And um, I had a lot of fun doing that. Well, wow. yeah, you said you like to lead I people out of the internet. No big <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many people are you leading at that point uh, or underneath your leadership? Um, at Dell at that point, it's probably a couple thousand. What was your, uh, what was your title at Dell? Uh, I was the chief information officer of online. Gotcha. So why didn't you stay there forever? You know, <laughs> it um, seems like that's the heyday. <laughs> it was. And, and we had a great time at Dell and Dell, I think continues to be a, a great place. Um, but at, you get to a point in your career where you want to progress and grow. And, um, that path was getting harder. I mean, when you're the chief information officer, like there's not really anything above you, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, it's hard to go do that. Um, and at the time, and when we had to make this decision, this family decision, it started out by uh, a friend of mine said, Hey, Bain consulting, um, is doing some work with this other company. The CEO would like to talk to a CIO, a chief information officer about what to look for in the role. And so I jumped on the phone. It was really like a 30 minute consult of here's what to think about the role. And uh, we ended up spending an hour and a half on the phone, and uh, I knew it was going to work out at that point. So yeah. it was just a courtesy call of what to look for in a, in a role. And I got so excited about what they were doing and wanted to go be a part of it. That's where the, the road to North Carolina began to come to life. So you were consulting on the phone, telling them what to look for. Correct. And little did they know they were looking for you. Uh, they, they knew that they were looking for me before oh. I did, I think. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it was a little consultation. Yeah, I, was, I was a little slow on the take, I think. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so at some point we were talking, and, and you had mentioned something uh, at some point, a presidential administration. There, there, was, um, there was a candidate for uh, the presidential office that reached out, and they were looking for a chief information officer to run their campaign yeah. and to ultimately go into uh, the White House. Yeah, um, but I chose feeding my family over volunteerism. Uh, it was a volunteer at, position at that point in time. It was paid, but it was it was uh, not a lot. Uh, yeah, not a for lot. you. It was volunteering. It was basically. volunteering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I missed out on that opportunity. And yes, uh, that individual became president of the United States. Do you do you regret that? Not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. Not well, at all. Look at you now. You're on a podcast. Look at this. I mean, you your podcast. That's right. The you Northwood <laughs> Church podcast. <laughs> Tens of followers. Twenties <laughs> <laughs> of subscribers. do it. Won't God do it, Victor? Won't he do it? Look what he did. Oh my hey, God. man. Okay. Maybe we can. Um, maybe we can upload this to your uh, channels. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get. You'll get eleven. <laughs> It'll be Heather. <laughs> oh no. no, that's amazing though. So you have, you've you've had. Let's just be honest. You've had incredible opportunities. You've you've been a part of an, uh, some of the biggest companies, yeah. and you know, Incredibly I mean, blessed. yeah, it's amazing. So, uh, how old are you now? Fifty four. Fifty four. So you still got you. St- I mean, you still got you know years of 
of productivity and life ahead, like a lot. Are you looking to actually continue to progress or you kind of, do you feel like you're at the sort of at the end of your career? Like where do you, where do you feel like you're at on the, on, in regards to that? Yeah, I would say certainly we're, we're closer to the end um, of career. Yeah. Um, you know, have I defined exactly what that looks like? No. Yeah. I, I'm open to, you know, whatever God and others have in store for me. Um, mm. But I think toward the tail end, I've, yeah. I've been, like I said, incredibly blessed. I've done lots of great things with lots of uh, great companies. Some not so great. Yeah. Um, and I've learned from, from those experiences um, as well. Um, and I'm, I'm still exploring right now. What does it look like? You know, what is a, a post-career retirement world yeah. uh, look like for Victor? It, it's not, um, I think with all these career decisions, they're not, it's like you go to a book and go, okay, this is step two. This mm-hmm. is step three. This is step four. Um, I, I think you get shaped by those who are around you. You get shaped by the family and the community and, um, We'll see where it takes me. Yeah. I'm thinking about people that watch the podcast who are like, you know, younger people and, and they're thinking about career paths yep. and stuff like that. And, and obviously the career path that you've went on is, uh, I mean, as far, I'm just thinking about from a yep. technolo- technological career path, you know, computers and, and uh, you, you've done a lot of security stuff, right? I have some. So, I mean, obviously that's, that is huge and oh, that's yeah. going to only yeah. increase. And so there's obviously going to be people. We're hiring. Are, you're <laughs> NC unscripted at Northwood.church. Yeah. We just became a portal for we'll hiring. call you for our my candidates. We're funneling Sense people of to candidates my way, please. Hey, we'll get a cut of their, like, that's you know, is. hey, this there is a go. business plan. This becomes out, right? a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> that's, that's our budget for the production. Right? Wait, we can buy real cameras. <laughs> what would you say to somebody that's, that's younger? Uh, they might already be in college and they're kind of kind of wanting to go this direction in life. Um, I mean, you have you've you've honestly you've been extremely successful in this career. So so what advice would you give? Uh, I mean, even if it comes to like certain things to study or, certain, mm-hmm. you know, you talked just I'm throwing yeah. a bunch of things out there and you can kind of decipher. You talked about like the people path, like honestly leading people versus, you know, being the one that's doing the coding or, you know. Uh, I think that's an interesting thing, maybe a gift conversation there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what advice did you have for young you know, person? I think, um, I think the advice that I would give is agnostic of which profession you're in. Um, I think what I've learned is you have to have fun doing what you're doing. And, and if you're not having fun, it's probably not your calling. Mm-hmm. It's probably not your, your thing. Um, I, I think the second I would say is be bold. Discover what you want. And go get it. Yeah. And, and, and that may require studies. It may require, you know, um, networking or connections you need to make. But, but be bold in your, your thoughts. And, and when you have that bold and that passion, um, you create an unstoppable force within yourself that I think will help you achieve, you know, your dreams, your hopes and dreams. I think the third is um, build your board of advisors. Mm. And, and that is who do you look to? to bounce ideas off of, to learn from, to seek counsel from. And, and those same ones that'll slap you upside the head when you make a, a, a you know, a bonehead decision. Um, and I think if you do those things, um, you can create a path for you that aligns with what you want to go get, what do you want to go do? And, and when you do that, um, it's amazing how things just kind of fall into place. I think when I think about those, those early days, when maybe I was a tad bit more selfish or self-centered or um, it was so hard, mm. you know, it's hard climbing the ladder. Right. But when you, when you discover that you're having fun, you're enjoying what you're doing, you're making a difference. You see the results of your work. You have some, some friends and advisors that can continue to help you grow and achieve great things. I mean, that's when you're thriving. Yeah. And, and I think that's agnostic of any profession. I, I think, I think you can take that advice hopefully and, and uh, do something with it. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Dude, I love the, the board of advisors. Like, yeah. What are some yeah. practical ways that you did that? Good, yeah. like, how do you select who's on your board and who's not? What does that look like for you? You know, it's, it's um, you find uh, friends or people that you respect. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard. Like, yes, you have to go to networking dinners and, and you're just going to find a nugget here and there, but there's probably, you know, 10 people we can get on the phone right now and say, you know, tell us the best and worst of Victor and they would have a field day. Right. Um, but I think you have to curate that over time and, and you'll discover some maybe aren't as real friends as you thought they were. Yeah. Right. Cause you can't count on them in 
in a, in a certain spot or whatever the case may be. And so as I even think about, you know, steps that I've taken in my career, they've been helpful in, in networking, connecting me to even get to those those steps. I, you can't go out tomorrow and say, I'm looking for the 10 that's going to be part of my board. Right. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's one here. Yeah. It, it's one, two years from now. It's, it, but over time, when you get to, you know, be ancient like my age, you, <laughs> you, you do have that core that, yeah. that you can go to. When it comes to those people in your life who, who can speak into your life, they can say whatever they want. Uh, they can correct you. They can mm-hmm. encourage you. And like their voice matters than anybody more than anybody else's, you know, and uh, and I've got people in my life that um, I've realized in the last couple of specifically the last four or five years, how important those people have, are in my life, not just for now, but I can see on the trajectory of my life yeah. the 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 huge um, responsibility that they have to, to help me, but also my responsibility to re- reach out for that and to mm-hmm. cultivate that and maintain mm-hmm. that. And, um, and I've seen in the last few years, and, I, and I've said this pretty openly, like in the last four or five years, if it wasn't for the men in, in my life who uh, have spoken into me, I genuinely would not have been able to, um, to make it. It's been a weird last few years. I would have not been able to make it. Um, uh, my marriage, I think my marriage would be good. I think my family would be good. But, that's about it. Um, that's about it. I would have yeah. quit because I didn't have the proper perspective. I didn't have the experience or the perspective to be able to understand and decode what was going through my emotions and my mind. And um, and I was discounting my ability to even do what, what I'm doing. Anyway, I yeah. just really I think there was that. something. I think there was something you said, and I don't even know if you realized you said it, but but you have to give probably 2x more than you take. Yes. And, and so – you have to ask yourself the question, whose board of advisors are you on mm-hmm. well, for whom? Yep. And, and, and that's, that's the community aspect of it. Yeah. Right. Cause you have to make that investment in someone else. Yeah. If you kind of expect it in return, it doesn't have to be a one for one of that person, but, but that's how kind of the, the community operates. Oh, I got a guy right now. Yep. Um, he's actually one of my overseers and, uh, uh, you know, he, he was on a trip for a while and, and vacation. He kind of took some time off and, Anyway, we hadn't talked for a few months, and I texted him and said, hey, man, uh, you know, I know you've been busy and stuff like that. Just really want to catch up and jump on FaceTime soon. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, I, I, it's a cultivation of a relationship, and yeah, at times I'm needing to um, instigate that. And I think one thing that I hear people say a lot, they're looking for mentors. They want to be mentored. I want to be mentored, yep. and everybody's like, I want to be poured into, I want to be poured into – and, and, and then I'll start saying, well, man, I've got these people in my life. And they're like, well, yeah, I need that. I'm like, who are you chasing? Who are you going after yep. to sit and wait for somebody magically just to decide God put on my heart to mentor you. And they're going to call you every week and follow up on you. No, what you're really wanting at that point, you're, you're asking for a psychologist or something. You yeah. know? You're, you're asking, you're wanting God to literally give you like a, a coach for free. And it's like, you know, you're looking for a parent. No, you're right. Yeah. 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 In a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, you, there's a point in life where if you want to grow and if you want to have that in your life, you have to pursue that. And, uh, I've just realized that more and more. Anyway, I just really connected with what yeah. you said in that part. And I think that's really, I think it's really helpful for a lot of people to hear that. Yeah. So just practical questions based on those two thoughts or a few thoughts. Is there a point in that relationship where you, <laughs> It's like when you're dating a girl, but you every actually officially May, every ask May her. Every May we end it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we start over. No, there's there. Like, is there an official ask at some point where you say, "Hey, I like I'm I'm going to you because I want you to be that," or is it a natural development? And also, no, is there ever a moment when you end end mentorships? I think um I don't think I'm trying to think if there's ever and ask maybe the first time out of the box, you know, you may, especially if it's a blind email or whatever, a blind yeah. connection point, you may say I'm asking for this purpose. Yeah. Um, but I think over time you realize that they're just good friends. Yep. Yeah. They're good friends and they're lifelong friends. And, and it just evolves to that. I, I do think the challenge point um, is you have to think of this board of advisors almost as your own investment portfolio as well. Okay. You can't be invested in the same type of stocks. Yeah, right. So you, you, yeah. So, so you have to find a board That's of advisor good. that brings diversity. Yes. Um, I think there's a there's a set of diversity that has to come, um, 
when you're putting this together. Like if you're in college, you can't just have everybody that goes to your university. First job out of college, early in career, you can't just pick people that are in your company. Yeah. yeah. You can't just people that are in your industry. You've got to find a way to to mix it up because those perspectives, those those yeah. outside in perspectives are the ones that I think cause some discomfort. Yeah. Um, and maybe yeah. the they present the opportunity to, to change and for you to maybe strike a different path. So so your board of of advisors. Yeah. Um, we know your career field. Yeah. So what are the personalities of the people that are on your board of advice? We don't need names, but like, are they all in technology? I mean, based no. on what you just said, I'd assume I, not. No, they're not. So like, um, you know, one is a, a good friend from our very first uh, small group. Uh, you know, one is um, an older gentleman who built his own company and he's, he happens to be in the uh, technology space. Um, it just, it just all different yeah. walks of life. I, I think the thing that we have to think about is the role we play in other people's lives. And maybe it's not a board of advisor, maybe it's not a, a mentor, but, you know, I think of our four kids and, and their engagement with the church. You know, I don't think Heather and I have a secret sauce of, you know, why do we have two pastors? I don't think there's anything we did, but I look at the people that poured into them you know, as they were growing up, those are the people that, I don't know if take credit's the right word, but those are the people that grew them yeah. to, to who they are today. And then they're their advisors at a point in time. But, but I think they didn't go and ask for those advisors. They're people that have poured into yeah. someone else. And, and I think, you know, that's the challenge point. I think the yeah. challenge point for us and everybody listening is, is who are you going to pour into today? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Who are you going to pour into tomorrow? That that's the that's the opportunity for all of us because gosh you have a lot of fun doing it too yeah. yeah you have a lot of fun doing it and half the time you don't even know that they actually needed it now you said something I, I have to deviate because it triggered Uh-oh. a thought you've got four kids I do um you just made reference to them are pastors Correct. um they all love the Lord they do you were a very busy family how do they still love the church how did you or did you prioritize church or what did what did that look like growing up? Because this is a real conversation in our world is yeah. everything is so busy. Yeah. You were a busy family. Yeah. Um, did you do it well? Did you do it bad? How do they still love the church and love Jesus? You know, um, I think we prioritized it as a family. Like we knew it was Sundays and that was our, our commitment um, as a family. I think um, Heather and I, gosh, for years uh, went to large churches and, and we would always um, go to church first service, serve second, weekly. And the kids saw that. Like, that was just what we did. And and mm. that engagement, I think, inspired maybe too strong of a word, but they just accepted that giving back to the community and being part of the church family was something we we did. Um, barring whenever I travel, we prioritize family dinners. And even when I travel, Heather prioritized, you know, family dinners. And, and I think those are some of the things that we did to, to help um, us as a family unit, mm-hmm. um, as well as to help us uh, engage. But this idea of um, calendar management, I often tell people, and, and I've learned the hard way, is do you manage your calendar or does your calendar manage you? And, and you have to be intentional about managing your, your calendar. Like, I'm going to be home for dinner. I'm going to work out at this time. And there's only so much time in the day, right? So, but if you prioritize, you know, your spouse, you prioritize the, the kids and the family, and then you start working things around it, you can control your, your calendar. But I think that that then stumbles. This is a long answer to no, the good. question. But I think that stumbles into um, how, as a leader, you show up. You have to be willing to delegate. You have to trust the the team you've built around you in the corporate uh, right, world, right. you have to trust the team around you because you can't do everything. Yeah. You can't. I mean, there's just, it's impossible, but you have to trust that the people you've hired, the people that you've brought on board, that, that they they'll represent the organization, they'll represent you well, and you got to give them that authority. Think about, you know, in early in career for any of us, at some point, somebody gave you a chance. We owe it to the next generation to give them a, a chance. And so I think if you, if you prioritize family, you manage your calendar versus your calendar managing you. And then you trust the, the team around you. Um, I think those are the, what I found to be kind of the, the nuggets of, uh, of success for us. 
Yeah. That was That's so good. So, dude. dude, like that whole section is pure gold. Yeah. Yeah. We live in we live in a in a in a culture that prioritizes everything wrong. Like overall, yeah. honestly, it, like what I mean by that is not that everybody is prioritizing wrong. I mean, we have a, a our American culture says that things that are the most yeah. important are not the important and vice versa. And so uh, what you said, oh, church yeah. literally showing up. And uh, honestly, let's just be real. There's some things that if if I say them or Micah or anybody that's on staff at a church says them, people automatically assume that we're saying that because like like man, you should be at church. People assume that we're saying that because it's where we work. I'm trying to get something out of them. Yeah, like mm. like guilting people into showing up, and um, so sometimes it's hard to even put into words maybe what we're it's easy for you to say. You're a pastor, and it's like, man, that's not why I'm saying this. The reason we say those things to prioritize is because we we want people to make it. We want them to be 55 and look back and say. I love my spouse still. My spouse still yeah. loves me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love my kids still. The kids still love me. Yeah. And we still love Jesus. Yep. We love the church. It takes that. So the heart is so that people can have that, so that they can be whole. They can be the way that God created the family to be. Yeah. But it takes the daily discipline. To, to inherit the richness of what a family can be takes the stewardship and dedication and the perseverance and faithfulness of a family throughout all the teenage years. Um, so I, I thought it was just yeah yeah it's so values, rich. but it's also priorities. So it is. the calendar part, we've been talking to Tom <clears> just as our family, like looking at you guys, like you guys are busy with older kids. We have younger now, but we're like, we're yeah. gonna do one extra thing. Like we're gonna double down. We're not gonna be the family that's running around to six different events. Like we're not gonna kill ourselves for our kids' extracurricular things that really don't matter that much. What like, did that look like for y'all? Yeah, your kids. You know, um, with four kids, we were always running around uh, someplace. And, and at some point, we, we had to learn and we had to have the conversation with the kids of you get to pick one extracurricular activity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's what I've done, too. Um, we didn't know that, but that's awesome. Because, because I, you know, you can experiment with different activities. Yeah. You know, you can do basketball one season, soccer another season, football another if you'd like. But at any point in time, you have to do one. Because when you start thinking about times four, um. That's a long weekend. Yeah. That's a long weekend of, <laughs> of bopping around at tournaments and other things. And, and I think that worked for us. It, it gave the, the kids a chance to um, experience different activities, but also decide what they wanted, their, 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 their thing. And we did our best to make them family activities. When we, you know, we did, um, you know, soccer tournaments or, you know, Brandon went through a season and doing, you know, football tournaments or band. We showed up as a family, you know, to support um, the, the child that was doing their activity. So best we could, uh, we would make adventures out of it. Yeah. I like what you said too, about that, that worked for us. Like it's not the prescription, like some families might be built where they can do multiple uh, things. And I think yeah. that's good, but it goes back to the point of you have to manage your calendar and like you have authority over your time. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people forget that, like you have authority over your time. So yeah. if you don't like it, like go look in the mirror because that's who's responsible. For I think, it. I think for young families though, it's, um, the kids are watching. Absolutely. I mean, I, and, and meaning they're observing, they're learning. You're, you're, you're setting the tone of how they're going to raise their family and their kids. And, and I'm, I'm sure we did many things and, you know, that we'll look back and go, we didn't do that. Right. Yeah, you know, all right. of us will. Heather, yeah. Heather will joke and tell the kids sometimes I'm just giving you something to talk to the counselor about. Right? <laughs> um, th- there are things that we, we probably stubbed our toes on. Yeah. Um, but as long as we've got these broad guardrails of how we want to um, operate as a family, and we we operate within those. We go to bed feeling good about it. Yeah, the uniqueness of each family is is important. It is. Yeah. The um and and how, how so you know the, the question like how do you know if it's working for your family? The the one thing that I've you know I'd love I want to hear your thought. My thought is this is how we've always interpreted that because again you said uh, some families can do more yeah. than others or whatever. My thing is like is there peace? Yeah. Is there or chaos? Uh, is there arguing and frustration sure. and confusion around what's going on? Is everybody tired, uh, just worn out? And and also, are we losing a uh, the intimacy of our family, the connection? Yeah. And if 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 we're losing any of that, or, or we feel like we're losing control, or there's chaos, um, either we need to shut something down, 
we may need to grow and get better and be more organized in order to be able to handle more as a family, but also not, you know, if we can't, then something's got to give. Yeah, like that's the kind of the may, way that, we may grow through saying no. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like Absolutely. I'm not going to do that. And well, you have to say no. Like yeah, nobody's right. going to do that for you. You yeah. have the authority, so say yeah. no. I think yeah. it's um, I think it's all those things. I think you go through all those emotions, and I don't think when you're in the moment, you know. Mm. Like I, I remember many days, like we have no idea if we're winning or losing. Mm. I mean, you, you you really don't. But you know, we sit in the hindsight. Now we can look back and go, oh gosh, you know, we did pretty good at that, yeah. right? Um, and I think as long I go back to just those values, like you know, you said um, sometimes you have to say no. Um, a lot of times what we do with the kids is, you know, instead of having everything be a blanket, yes, and maybe not wanting to say no, we would say yes, as long as you X, mm -hmm. right? So I, I remember, um, most of our kids have done mission trips throughout the years, um, or they wanted to go do a study abroad experience and, um, all of these different experiences. And we would say, well, gosh, that's a lot of money to, you know, do an experience in Europe. And, uh, just to pick an example. And we would say, you know, mom and dad will, will put in half of that study abroad experience, but you've got to put in the other half. And, and I'm talking, we're talking middle schoolers and high schools at this point. You know, we, we sent our, our, our oldest son to Australia when he was in middle school. Like we were crazy, wow. but he was passionate about it. And back to that point around, follow your passions, follow your dreams, be bold. He was, and we didn't want to stifle that. And so we said, We'll work to make that happen. But this is what you have to do. And he had to raise whatever the amount of money was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he did it. He did sales and extra jobs and, you know, neighborhood jobs. I remember he collected cans for recycling. Well, that's awesome. And, and you know, and, and he would get his $3 a time, but he was building up his because he was vested in that opportunity. Okay. And, and, and I share that because I think it's back to that, that spirit of work. I think oftentimes today we're just like, no. Or we say, oh, yeah, sure, he'll let me write the check. Mm. There's a middle ground here. That's good. Where, where, where I think we can have expectations of um, our youth Absolutely. To, to step up a little bit. Um, and that's okay. Because if it's not important to them, they'll, it'll evaporate. Right? Mm. If he's like, I don't want to raise $1,000. Okay. It's not that important then. Uh, yeah. yeah. Bu buying in does some a little skin in the game mm. matters a whole lot yep. correct uh especially and when that's established at a young age it develops a work ethic it, de it develops that that ability to determine is this worth it yeah like am i actually going to do that so what does that kid do now that he's in australia or he went to australia um, that, that's our oldest son zachary um and he's a stewardship director at a, a mega church in austin Okay, so he works. He, he so was Australia a missions trip? Uh, Australia was a people-to-people uh, -people experience, a study abroad experience okay. for him. I, I was just it was curious not a mission trip because now you've got young adults. You I do got married, yeah. single. What what's the what's um, all that look like? So I have again four children. Ashley's my oldest. Um, she works as a high-profile nanny. Uh, she's in Colorado. She's getting married in a couple of weeks here. That's yep. right. So um, a big event there. Uh, Zachary uh, is married and uh, he lives in Austin working for a church as a pastor there in Austin. Uh, Brandon lives here on the Gulf Coast and uh, working at the church uh, with the youth. And then Caitlin is my youngest and she's a junior at Baylor. So three, uh, two married, one going to be married. So three will be married by the end of the year and only one in college. So most are off the yeah. payroll. So we, <laughs> you got a pay raise. I did. I did get a pay raise. So I know that a lot of our audience yeah. on, on this has adult children. Yes. Um, just a quick advice or how is it doing uh, parenting people, adults that are living their own life? Like you're no longer in control. Yeah, I think, you know, we, Heather and I use the phrase um, that when, it, when they reach the end of college, we feel like we've launched them. And, and that's a phrase that we use in our family. Like, we've prepared you to be launched. And, um, and it's at that point where they're pretty much on their own. You know, there, there's no income from dad. There's nothing else that's happened, right? It's, it's, it's your turn. It's your turn to use everything that we've, we've taught and instilled in you to bring it to life. and um, and I think there's a little bit of um, relief as a parent, like, okay, <laughs> um, there's a little bit of remorse because at the same time, you still want to guide, um, but your role becomes different. You, you become a little bit of an advisor. Um, yeah. back, back to that conversation, mm -hmm. you become a little bit of an advisor to 
um, your older children. We were having a conversation with one of them the other day and we were clearly on opposite sides of the fence. <laughs> and, you know, when the conversation ended, like, it's your decision. Hmm. Like as much as Heather and I may have a different point of view, it is your decision. Is that tough for you as a parent to watch maybe potentially them make a wrong decision? Um, no, because some of these decisions, like we think at the time, they're like really big decisions, but these are not life-threatening decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Right? These, are, these are things that will come and pass. Most yeah. of them are material in nature, right? Like, should you buy that? Should you not buy that? Yeah. Should you do this? And at the end of the day, those things, um, uh, those things don't, don't really matter. So it's, uh, I think for us, it's, we try to impart those nuggets along the way. We ensure that we've given them the values, but we've launched them and, and they really need to um, thrive in the world. Yeah. And we're still there for them. Absolutely. Uh, we're, you know, and we want to keep them close. Yeah. it's awesome. I think it's been cool. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like I've grown. I, I want to ask one question and this is a, this one would be a long one from the outside. Um, you would appear to be a success. Um, I'd just, I'd love to hear your definition of the word success. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think a lot about what success is. I think if, uh, if I've treated my wife well, I think if we've got our family as a strong unit, and I think if we're contributing, I'm good. I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's good parameters. Yeah. I think that's awesome. This has been great. Episode five. Is this five? That feels right. I think it's five. I think it's five. This was too. episode five. It's not the first. It's not the tenth. <laughs> no, it's not. It's around 55 years old. It's not the hundredth because that's whenever we're ending all this. But, that's right. Uh, that's thank you for coming cool. on, though. Thank Seriously. You. It's my thank pleasure. You for being here. It's Absolutely. good to be here. Glad that I was able to make it. Yeah. Hey, thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah. I was finally able to make it. Don't forget to uh, send your applications to uh, NC Unscripted. <laughs> yes. Like, yep. Makeup artists and security engineers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and also a reminder that if you've got, I know we've received some some questions in the last mm-hmm. week. Some people wanting us to talk about some things. We'll probably tackle a couple of those uh, next week. So, uh, so be looking forward to that. I'm excited about that. But uh, if you do, you have topics, your questions, uh, serious or dumb, either way, you guys yeah. know us. We'll talk about any of it. And uh, but send it in and unscripted at northwood.church. So we're going to be dis- we have a lot going on this week. We've got applications and we've got yeah, topics dude. to deal with. Those so. interns are going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs>